0: Hi everyone. So I'm joined today by Sebastian Hicks, who's been who's an osteopath and has been in the industry for over ten years. And why I'm really excited to talk to him today is because not just not only are you just an osteopath, but you've got such an extensive background in rehab, which I find really fascinating. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Sylvan. It's good to be here and thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, and it's just nice to be able to see you, especially given everything that's going on and it's just
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's been very strange times, isn't it, for for, for the healthcare profession as a whole. And um, you know, so it's 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 really important that we try and connect and, and stay connected and, and get information out in the open. And and Zoom is a great way to do that. So Absolutely. How has it changed
0: for you given like social distancing and lockdown at the moment in terms of so, your
1: practice? Yeah, I mean so so um you know, the way that I practice is, is obviously as an osteopath, we use our hands a lot. So it's very, 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 very much hands on, hands on treatments. Um, so the way the lockdown has, has influenced work is, is that it's gone very much more in line now. Um, so having to adapt to that, that way of working has been a challenge, um, but enjoyable, It's is very, very different to, to, to a, way, a very, very different way of working. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I think it's opened a lot of osteopath eyes in terms of what can be done online and the the advice and the input that can be provided to patients um you know when the clinic doors are, are closed for safety safety reasons um as they have been for, for the last few months um yeah. so yeah it's, it's, it's certainly opened up new doors and and given us a new insight in, in terms of how we can work
0: yeah and do you think it's changed how you think you'll work after sort of things go back to whatever normal um i
1: think it's important to keep a balance so i, I don't think i'll take you know um you know, you know, all the practice online or anything like that. But I think, you know, the way that perhaps communication with patients is held after, after sessions, um, and, and perhaps, you know, wellness packages or healthcare packages and the way they're implemented could be, could be a way forward for sure. Um, yeah. but I definitely think it's important to keep a balance and strike a balance between, you know, seeing people face to face and also see the online stuff.
0: Yeah. Cause as you said, like a lot of what we do is still hands on. And I've really struggled being able to not put my hands on a patient and do sort of like a passive uh, uh, intervention for them. So it's been for me, it's been sort of more sort of active in terms of just delivering information and educating patients rather than doing things for them in a way.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it really does hone on, you know, your communication skills as well. You know, you've got to put things perhaps in a you know in a, in a direct more simplistic way if it's over the phone or online um you know the demonstrations have to be really you know really precise and things so you know it's it's definitely definitely a challenge but it's 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 um you know i found it enjoyable
0: yeah have you found patients of yours been receptive to it
1: absolutely absolutely um you know the 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 patients that i've seen they've they've really responded well especially the patients that have, have required a bit more movement intervention um so doing the the new patient osteopathic consultations is is you know is a bit more of a challenge in terms of what you can provide obviously um or can't provide um but the 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 patients where we're able to provide a little bit more um movement advice and and take patients through through active movements um it's been really 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 productive for sure
0: and i want to go back to your sort of movement based because um practice because I mean, I know you, um, we know each other from having worked at a studio in in Baker Street together Mm -hmm. um, a while ago now. A long time Um, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, But part of what I remember watching you work and part of what you do really well is you get patients moving in ways that are sort of cohesive to their treatment plan and just in ways that they don't think they can in a way. And that's what I really appreciated about watching you work
1: i think you know the couch-based interventions is is absolutely got a place and i think it's really really important for some patients to apply that that form of treatment but i think when possible um it's it's really really um, important to educate patients about the the need to get up and get off the couch and and start to 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 learn how to use the, you know their new joint range of motion or to use the kind of body that they've that we've provided for them um, so they don't fall back into old patterns and i think you know applying um, you know, articulation and soft tissue techniques and and various osteopathic techniques off the couch, you know, can have a really, really, really benef- beneficial impact on, on patient outcomes. Yeah,
0: because obviously as a new graduate, we're told mainly couch-based interventions. So yeah. why do you, I mean, I suppose it's a question for everyone, but why do you think sort of traditional osteopathic um, sort of education, at least at, at university, is so... Yeah couch based instead of, it is movement based, but it's primarily couch
1: based. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a passive intervention. It's, it's generally people lying, you know, and receiving a, a passive intervention on a joint, which absolutely has its benefits. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, I, I just think the, the history of, you know, the osteopathic, um, profession, and the way it's been, and the way it's progressed over the, over, over time has, has been very much down that avenue. Um, but I think now with, you know, the, the, um, the kind of increase in awareness and the importance of movement and wellness and and, and exercise, especially during this lockdown period, um, people, are, people are understanding how, you know, even small, you know, small movement interventions can have a positive impact on how they feel, not just physically, but emotionally and, and mentally as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have a duty as osteopaths to, to, to educate patients, um, you know, not just with couch based interventions, um, and advice, but also to help provide lifestyle and, and exercise and, and, and nutrition ab- uh, advice as well. I think yeah. they, they all combine really closely.
0: And so how much of your background do you think has influenced that? Because I know you have an extensive rehab background.
1: Yeah, massive. So I think, you know, um, obviously coming from a fitness industry, my bias is naturally towards getting people up, up and moving. Um, so that's been a real advantage. And I think... Um, you know, it's definitely helped me in good stead moving into osteopathy and, and doing more passive interventions for sure. So it's definitely the, the ethos and the approach that I like to take with patients is to try and get them when possible and when it's appropriate. And um, educating them in through exercise and active mobility and active strengthening and active movement um, interventions. So um, there are obviously times when that's not, you know, appropriate for um, each patient to, to their own and, and we've got to understand the needs for each, each person we see. Yeah
0: because what had you done prior to becoming an osteopath?
1: So My background was in fitness um, and rehabilitation so uh, Middlesex they did a really really um, uh, good course that provided a foundation in, in understanding how people, uh, people move through rehabilitation from sports injuries back to full function so it was really understanding how Osteopathy could work alongside rehab, rehab and, and exercise and movement. And, uh, you know, the, the link is, 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 well, massive. It's really, really important. And, yeah, and yeah they, they work really well. So if you look at the elements of, of fitness and, and rehab, you know, strength and power and flexibility and balance, all these, all these elements come together to provide, um, you know, a, a good foundation for, for movement. And osteopathy works really, really well alongside, you know, those, those, those elements. I think there's a really, really, really big link.
0: So did you know you wanted to go into osteopathy following the rehab degree you did, or was it something it seemed that... seemed a
1: natural up? progression. Yeah, it seemed a natural progression. So, um, yeah, I was, I kind of looked into different, different options and, and going further down the fitness industry. And, uh, you know, I like using my hands to treat patients. I think there's a real benefit for using therapeutic touch. Um, and, um, yeah, osteopathy seemed like a natural progression, uh, moving on from, uh, moving on from, from rehab and fitness.
0: Yeah. Cause, um, one thing that I noticed, especially going, you know, having, like I said, having just qualified, um, was that we touch upon rehab at school, at university, yeah. but it's, yeah. It's it's and this is no criticism because it, it is what it is, but it's not extensive enough, for example, in comparison to in comparison to physiotherapists that I've been working alongside now. Yeah. So one thing I felt coming out of it was that I didn't know enough practically in terms of rehabilitation or getting people progressively moving through a series of exercises way even sometimes start from. And it was almost me sort of like finding my way as I went along. Why do you think we've not really caught up on that side of things in terms of you know in terms of the education bit?
1: I think rehab is such a massive topic, isn't it? I mean, you can go, you know, to PhD level and master's level with 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 this. So trying to implement, you know, one or two modules into a into a training course, which is already you and I know is is, is massively intense and very, very challenging, is it can often create um, I think, confusion because you know some people who've perhaps gone into osteopathic education who, who don't have uh, that fitness and movement background it can create this you know you know dilemma in terms of um you know opening opening a can of worms slightly without knowing that full you know the full impact of what it can what it can do you know and and you know exercise advice if it's done incorrectly or provided to in the wrong way can be dangerous and i think you know opening opening that can of worms is 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 a potential you know, risk and challenge to the osteopathic profession because especially on these courses and these educational programs because there is such a massive 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 um load of information to absorb and to take in so um it's definitely got its you know it, it's it's its benefits but how how to integrate that is, is i think is a very difficult question but it's something that i think needs to be needs certainly needs to be addressed and looked at
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely um, cause obviously the, you know, my background is in Pilates. So everything I did was Pilates based. Um, if you ask me to do any strength training with a, with a patient, I have no idea where to go or where to start with that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So when I it comes, to- osteop- sorry. 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 <laughs> I think with um with, with osteopathy as well, because of they're the different branches of the profession. You know, there's, there's the cranial approach to, to osteopathy and then there's the more MSK and structural approach and then the visceral approach. So people, people will go and see an osteopath. And they expect a certain, you know, intervention or treatment. And um, so I think there's there's that difficulty comes into play as well in, in terms of you know osteopathy as a as a general term, and then its subdivisions in terms of people who specialise in more of the cranial approach, who, who aren't going to go and provide you know rehab and exercise input perhaps as much as a, as a structural or an MSK osteo. So um, you know they're they're the kind of challenges as well in terms of how to integrate integrate that into a foundational course or program.
0: Yeah and so when a patient sort of looks you up or books in a treatment how are you able to sort of manage their expectations in terms of what they're looking for versus what you do and your approach
1: so I'll just be very upfront with them and say you know if they if they're looking for for an approach that's more visceral um you know I would be completely upfront and say look this is that the work that we do is going to impact the 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 viscera massively but it's probably perhaps not the traditional visceral osteopathic approach that they're, that they're after. So it's just being upfront and honest with the patient and saying, you know, the approach that I work is very much more about uh, active movement and trying, and trying to get people um, away from, from passive interventions uh, excessively. And, and you know, if they're on board with that program and that platform, then we, then we move through. Um, but it's explaining how the work, that, the work that I do is very much, uh, it impacts a lot of the other systems and the other approaches massively, but it's perhaps not, uh, you know, focused so much, you know, on, you know, one, one approach or, or one method. Um, it's more, it's a bit more integrated. So that's, that's, I just, that's how I'd explain it to patients.
0: Yeah. And so what are the sort of, the ethos behind your treatments and the things that you try and integrate, what kind of things are you trying to integrate? I know it's so subjective to, to an individual, to a patient in front of you, but. Yeah,
1: so um, obviously it depends on, like you say, it depends on who you see and what their goals are, but it's, you know, the, the I think education is a really, really key thing as well in terms of um, trying to, trying to teach patients and educate patients about um, what, what, what they require. So I don't want to be the kind of osteopath that just stands and preaches and Tells people you know what's what they should and, and shouldn't be doing. It's about educating them to take control of their you know of their their body and their you know how they look after themselves and their health. So um, part of that is obviously looking at you know limitations in in uh, joint restrictions, strength deficits. Um, so a simple way that I would I would put this together for, for an aspiring osteopath would be uh, three simple words. So gather organize and initiate so you know the first thing when i see a patient is, uh, is, is all about gathering information now that information can be re- relevant to their their, uh, their musculoskeletal history and their medical history but it's also beyond that as well it's, it's understanding about their, their psychological health, um, any social issues in their life any financial problems all these things come into play to to kind of create a bigger picture in terms of how you can help so once you've got this information, the next, the next um, element in terms of how I look at an assessment is, is to organise this, this, um, you know, the information that I've got into understanding, you know, is this patient looking for more of a, an active approach or more of a passive intervention? So with the information that I've provided, are they gonna benefit more from couch-based work or are they gonna benefit more from, from me getting them doing some, some exercise and movements? um and then once we've got the the kind of organized data together so to speak of their assessment you can then implement that and that that implementation comes in the form of education it comes in the form of um exercise advice nutrition um which is another huge topic which we probably won't cover much today um so that that's kind of how i would you know really simple way of looking at it you know rather than getting you know drawn into you know the intricacies a lot of the time and we often we don't look at the bigger picture. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of how I would, how I would look at assessment really.
0: Yeah. And that uh, really puts it into sort of a, a way that you can sort of digest easily rather absolutely. than like thinking of every single kind of differential and how to test for it and how that links into a systemic issue. And, and
1: absolutely. And then- yeah. So another, another simple ways is, is, you know, someone comes in and not, the first thing I do is I look for elephant or mice. You know, so sounds a bit sounds a bit odd, but let me explain. Okay. So someone comes in the in the door. The you know the the elephants. So the the swayback posture, the anterior head carriage, the the you know the ro- the rotated shoulders inwards, the the arches dropping. These are the obvious discrepancies, postural discrepancies that you see. So you know they're the major things that I'm that I'm observing with this patient. The mice, however, these are the kind of smaller you know, perhaps, perhaps less obvious signs that you're seeing with with a patient in terms of their presentation. So perhaps is there something underlying beyond the musculoskeletal, beyond the musculoskeletal compensation that you've got to address? Is it, you know, perhaps a small torsion in the in the in the thorax that's the it's, you know, that you can see. So is it something less obvious to the eye? And by looking at those, by, by kind of splitting an assessment up into the elephant or the mice, I think it gives you, you know, just a different, uh, different platform on how to work as well. So that's, that's another approach that I that I often take.
0: Yeah. That's really, I've never heard anyone explain something like that before in that way. So it's, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah just the, the elephant or the mice. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, it works for me. It's, it's, it's something that I've just, uh, I've used over the years. And, um, no, cause in osteopathy, we're often taught, you know, to to look at the structure as you know the, the absolute garbing. It absolutely, it's super, super, super important. But perhaps if we look at why that, that elephant is presented like this with that anterior head carriage and, and that major sway back and, and you know the posture that's held like this, perhaps there's something you know behind um, behind that as to why they've presented like that, you know, in their in in their life. And it's important to, to try and gather information from the from the patient as a, as a whole, rather than just going right you know, let's work into the pecs or let's try and, you know, work into the, uh, to the thoracic spine to, to, to get the, 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 the T-spine moving a little bit more. So it's, it's, it's important to understand why perhaps people present in a, in a way that, you know, that creates an altered structure, yes. not just treat, not just treat the altered structure.
0: Yeah. Cause that. Goes beyond so that that superficial layer of what presents in yeah. front of you to absolutely. to understanding the whys.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's you know and and it will it will put the patient at ease as well. I mean, I, I think it's about finding rapport and, and establishing, you know, that relationship with the patient. And if you just go in and, and you know treat the patient for what they see with the, with the kind of structure that's put in front of you, I think that's um, I mean, for some patients, that's what they want. You know, the some patient come in and you know they've. they've you know, gone for a run and they've done their ankle in and, you know, they want an intervention for the ankle and they're not interested in anything beyond that. And it's important that I think we understand and we try and, you know, um, manage the treatment protocols, depending on who comes through the door. You know? Yeah. But I think the elephant and mice is a, is a, it's a tool that's worked for me anyway. Yeah.
0: Where did that come from? Where did like, is that something you just developed?
1: So. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, something that I uh, I remember our principal at college, and he we he was um, he was an amazing practitioner. He's no longer with us now, um, but he uh, you know I learned so much from him. And I remember him doing um, a standing exam on a on a colleague, and you know he was demonstrating the extremes of kind of you know massively, massively, um, you know, uh, poor posture if you want to call it that and you know these things just popped into my head in terms of what I could call this when when patients come into the room and then you know we had another colleague who you know who had a much uh smaller postural discrepancy so to speak and then I, I tried to just associate you know those two extremes with with something that would work for me and uh and, and that does and it's just been quite a valuable tool in practice yeah and like was this, beyond the structure
0: yeah and was this at the LSO?
1: Yeah, this is at the LSO, so it was yeah. a great, great training institution. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fantastic, really good. Because
0: yeah. from my research when I was looking into going to osteopathy, um, they were one of the few places that actually had the part-time course.
1: Yeah, that's right. They 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 were great because the part-time training allows you to, to um, to kind of apply and kind of learn your, you know skills as you go really so you know especially in the industry that, that myself and a few of the colleagues on the course were, were in so we were lucky that we could apply that information you know back into the gym 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 world in the gym environment so looking at you know when we were learning about the lymphatic system understanding how the lymphatic system works when you've got someone doing cardiovascular exercise understanding um, you know not just looking at anatomy on a on a on a on a board understanding how you know, the, the quads work and the, the pelvis, the pelvis torsions through, through running. So, you know, understanding, um, the, the anatomy in an applied fashion was a real advantage, I think.
0: Yeah. And would you, obviously I did the, the full-time course, which is, you know, equally were both just as intense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But so you were obviously studying and working alongside that full-time.
1: Yeah yeah so i was working in the gym and doing uh doing training and rehab and then working in the clinic environment and uh, the lectures were at weekends so it was, uh, it was a full-on few years when do you sleep um just whenever whenever usually the uh, usually looking in anatomy books sent you off to sleep sometimes um so <laughs> no yeah, idea what you're talking
0: about <laughs>
1: yeah never 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 but, you know i think i'm sick of pathology and anatomy books, so, uh,
0: but slowly having to dig them out again. Gray's Anatomy is embedded under my pillow.
1: As it should be, so, as it should, be, oh, as it should hopefully, be.
0: Hopefully trying to absorb it via like osmosis or something, because it never <laughs> went in otherwise.
1: No, exactly. Well, you know, step by step, it's all a learning process, isn't it? So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the types of patients that you see, do you have a typical patient or a, a common presentation that you see often?
1: So, I think when I started in the profession, we saw a lot more acute patients. Um, it was a lot more, uh, there were a lot more structural based presentations. So, you know, the, the, the acute lower back, the rotator cuff problem, the, the ankle sprain. But I think over the last couple of years, we've really seen a transition away from the, the more acute setting into more of a chronic chronic pain. Um, chronic pain uh, presentation. So. You know, I'm sure you've had this as well, so when your patients come in and they go, well, I've, I've been to my doctor, I've had some, some blood tests, blood tests have come back negative. Um, you know, I've had this, this gut problem and I'm feeling a little bit sort of brain fog. You know, I've, got a, I've had this headache for the last couple of weeks and, you know, my joints just feel a bit stiff and a bit achy, um, but, but everybody, everybody in the doctors and the, the scans that I've had on the, in, the, in the medical profession, they've shown, you know, there's no problem. So that's been a real challenge, seeing those kind of patients come through the door. Um, but it's really, you know, it teaches you to try and adapt and, and try and learn a new way of, of thinking and a new way of managing patients. So the, the biggest transition is certainly from more of the acute setting to more chronic pain, for sure. And what kind of sort of treatment modalities have you started
0: including over the last few years, or? Or CPD that you found really helpful um, in terms of implementing into your own practice?
1: So, yeah. So n- nutrition is certainly one, one facet and one element that we, you know, have really started to, to look a little bit more into, um, you know, it's a massive, massive, massively important and huge, huge subject. And I think, uh, you know, the role of nutrition, not just on the digestive system, but it's understanding the role of the digestive system on the musculoskeletal system and that's where i think the relevance of, of nutritional education comes in comes into play and you know i've been doing a few courses in the field of uh, functional health and functional medicine now which is a you know i'm sure a few of uh, a few a few of your listeners have have have, have heard and become familiar of, of those phrases and those topics now and the microbiome is another word that's you know been in the research and in the literature a lot recently so understanding how gut function impacts upon not just you know, the digestive tract and the digestive system, but also can create problems in relation to systemic or low-grade inflammation in the body is massively relevant because, you know, that can impact how someone heals from a musculoskeletal injury. So if if you've got a, you know, a a knee synovitis, for example, then, you know, doing all of the, 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 the osteopathic or physio or musculoskeletal interventions might take you so far but if if there's something underlying in that patient's um, body which is you know causing a low grade level of inflammation in their blood, then you know it's, it's, you're going to get a, a limited response in terms of the musculoskeletal impact that that you can provide. So looking at low grade inflammation is 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 hugely hugely uh, important I think now and you know not just that it's looking at how that impacts upon you know mental health and and anxiety and, and depression so understanding not just how you know dysbiosis or altered gut micro, microbiota can can impact or influence the the musculoskeletal system but also impacts upon how a patient feels and how they how they feel emotionally so you know all of these things have to come into play to understand how you treat and how you manage you know, a patient that comes through, through the door and, and it's understanding and unraveling their story really, which is, which is really where, um, where things become more, 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 more personal and more relevant. I think. Yeah. yeah.
0: And one thing that I know that having watched you work is that you make it look rather easy because all these things are obviously, well, all these things are sort of like permeating through your thinking and your interventions while someone's just sat there. And they're thinking, okay, cool. You're just moving my ankle around, you know, for a running injury, for example. But actually, you're thinking about the connection between sort of all these other things and how that influences how somebody will present and what intervention they might respond to
1: best. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, I think a, a prime example of that is, is you know, the lymphatic system. You know, um, is. It's a, it's a mechanical pump it, it's an, it, it's not it doesn't function in the same way that the circulatory system or the cardiovascular system functions you know in that it's an autonomic process you know you don't have to thankfully we don't have to get up in the morning and press an uh, press an alarm to get our heart to start working so most most of the uh, <laughs> thankfully for a long time um so you know working through the lymphatic system is a really 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 um you know interesting uh, way of looking at the body especially when we apply manual therapy techniques and uh, I find that particularly, particularly interesting.
0: Yeah. Have you heard of um,
1: Perry Nicholson? Perry Nicholson. Yeah. Rings a bell. Rings a bell.
0: Yeah. So he's huge on sort of like social media and Instagram and things like that. And, and his, his, his focus is very much on the lymphatic system. And so just going, just reading, just been, having read his posts and sort of going to his website and things like that, like he talks a lot about the lymphatic system, the lymphatic system and how it can permeate into all your other systems because it is so intricate i mean it's pretty much your circulatory system in a way absolutely um, absolutely so, yeah just it just i get flashbacks of, of of other things and of what other people have said and i'm like oh this makes so much sense why have i not read more about this
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and it's the, like you said it's the links to the other system and i think the other thing that we could probably add into that as well is is the impact on um you know, we've talked a lot about the importance of movement and active therapy, but the, the role of passive therapy in, in, in reducing inflammation in the blood um, is, is, is a growing topic of research now, reducing, so, with that. You know, reducing the, the levels of, of pro-inflammatory cytokines, which have been shown if they stayed and if they're present in the body for a long period of time can, can, can be detrimental to health. You know, and, and passive physical therapy has been shown to, to to have a really, really positive impact on reducing the, the level and the the uh, the the, pro, the the biomarkers of pro-inflammation, which is a really, really powerful, powerful um, you know field of t- uh, research which is developing now. I want to take a second. That's huge. It's very, very, very significant. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 understanding how. Because we talked a lot about, um, you know, inflammation is a is a good thing. It's a natural response. If you if you fall over and twist your ankle, um, you're going to hope that everything swells up, becomes red, painful, and tender to touch. That's a completely thumbs up. That's what we want. Right? That's a protective mechanism. But if we add into um, these these injuries have a healing cycle, and if that healing cycle is is kind of not, um, you know, is is not adhered to so to speak and other facets in that patient's life contribute to stress and elevate levels of cortisol in their body then what can happen is that acute injury that perceivably uh, you know simple rehab or not simple but that, that perceivable rehab uh, response can be delayed and promote levels of pro-inflammation or pro-inflammatory biomarkers in the blood and passive osteopathic techniques um, or physical therapy techniques have been shown in 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 studies to date to to start to reduce and lower those those pro inflammatory biomarkers which have been you know shown to have you know a wide range of hazardous health uh, consequences
0: yeah and that's where the evidence of what we do makes a huge impact
1: massive massive
0: there isn't a lot especially i'm comparing it of course to, to physiotherapy modalities but there isn't a lot of research in the osteopathic field yeah um there is some more now more recently of course but you know it just gives us a backing in which
1: you know what we do has this effect and it's proven it's scientifically proven to have this effect absolutely absolutely and i think you know the way that the osteopathic profession is going now i think more and more research will come out into these into these into these fields and you know the type of patients that we're seeing now drive a lot of that drive a lot of that research, and that's that's the key. You know, so you know, in, in you know, I mean, we live in a massive, massively, massively, you know, stressful modern world. You know, I mean, we, we see tons of wellness blogs, you know, expressing those 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 statements. So the, the the byproduct of that is often patients presenting to clinics with you know, yes, with musculoskeletal problems, but beyond that. There's far more relevant um, things that perhaps need addressing, and by addressing those factors, perhaps we could have a more positive impa- uh, impact on their, their musculoskeletal health. You know, rather than just you know rubbing the short you know the sore shoulder or you know pumping the ankle a little bit or you know doing some work into the into the base of the neck. Don't get me wrong, fantastic and all great, as it has, a, has a, good, a good positive impact. But it's understanding that patient as a whole and understanding beyond how that. You know, um, you know, those basic techniques beyond how that could be helping, you know, low level inflammation in the body.
0: Yeah. And one of the things you said earlier was that, you know, you see more research coming into the field. How else do you expect, you know, the profession or the field to develop and potentially change over the next five, 10 years?
1: So I, I think, again, it's, it's very much patient driven. I think with the patients that we see, I think a lot of the research will go towards, you know, the field of um, you know, functional health and functional medicine. And for, for those people that perhaps aren't familiar with that, I'd heavily advise, advise people to go in and check out resources online. So the, the, the global leader is the Institute for Functional Medicine. Um, their website's in ifm.org. Uh, and, and they've got some fantastic information there um, in relation to what they do and how they, how they address chronic illness and chronic disease and the role of physical therapy and movement and exercise in helping so i'd heavily advise um you know people to 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 perhaps take a look and see what see what they think because my, my my feeling is that that's the way that um you know osteopathy can work in line with helping people with you know with chronic disease and i think we've got a lot to offer as a profession for sure absolutely
0: and do you see yourself sort of practicing down that route
1: I think so, yeah, I mean, I you know who knows five years is a long time um so we'll we'll see we'll see um but absolutely, i think it's it's definitely um a passion of mine, and I think it's it's a really important um, approach which perhaps hasn't had the 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 kind of um press and media that it that it should have, you know so you know osteopathy is is I think a lot of people that I chat to still don't know what osteopathy is and I, I kind of have to explain it or oh, is that the one with the backs and that's still happening. So the colleges are churning people out still and great therapists, but the, the kind of general consensus amongst a lot of the population, I feel, is, is that you know, there's still a, a misunderstanding or a, a misguidance in terms of what osteopathy is and how we can help for sure.
0: And why do you think that is? Is that from
1: a education point? Is that from a marketing point? I think it's, I think, I think marketing definitely for sure. You know, it's, oh, have you got back pain? And you see a lot of posters come up or you'll see a picture of a spine in the window or, you know, headache or something like this. And it kind of narrows itself down. So, you know, people think or associate osteopathy with just the spine, you know, and you and you and I know that it's, it's, you know, that's obviously a very important element of it, but you know, there's so much more to, uh, to, to health than just, you know, then yeah, than the spinal joints, you know? So,
0: yeah. So what do you think people can do to help sort of not differentiate themselves, but allow people to, or clients or patients to, to understand, look, we do a hell of a lot more than just, you know, manipulate your back and HVT your back.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, you know, perhaps the colleges have a have a role to play in this as well in terms of how they promote and what and what they offer. Um, so, you know, perhaps perhaps osteopaths going into edu- uh, educational institutions is a way forward and trying to promote this this field and this way of working, um, or this this slightly different approach. Um, I'm not saying it's the right approach; it's just a different approach. It's the way that I I I see the profession, or the way I would like to, to work moving forward. So I think uh, moving into different, and not just osteopathic uh, institutions, you know, different, you know, fitness colleges, perhaps, or um, you know, personal training courses, or rehab um, rehab courses on on uni programs. So I think if we if we can do that, then then perhaps we can get you know a slightly different different um, understanding of what osteopathy is out there to the to the general public. So,
0: yeah, and that's huge that's because. Something. You know, everyone knows what a physiotherapist does. Everyone knows roughly what a chiropractor yeah. does. But when I tell people I'm an osteopath, I, I get, a, you know, a little of a puzzled look.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. I, and, I hear you loud and clear. So. And,
0: and I work alongside physiotherapists. So, I, you know, they come to me and I'm like, you know, hi, I'm an osteopath. And they kind of think, I don't know what, it, I, don't, I don't know what you're gonna do.
1: Yeah, I mean, how have you, how have you found that working in your setting? Have you, have you sort of found that uh, a challenge?
0: It's been really interesting. Um, so obviously I was I started prior to, to lockdown and everything. And. I, I would say I found it challenging to start off with because um, there was this differentiation between me being an osteopath versus the whole of the team who are physio based, who are physiotherapists, sorry. And I had to, you know, adapt to the environment, but still keep those osteopathic core values in place. Yeah which is hard when you're being questioned about them a lot um, without saying too much. Um, (laughs) But what I did pick up from them and this is where I think they do such a great job is their rehabilitation is, is at the top of their game. Yeah. So I've learned loads from them and and I've sort of watched them and see how they do things. And, you know, I've been able to ask them questions. And I think as a result, my rehabilitation side, and this is where I think, as osteopaths, we might fall back a bit more on that sort of side. If you don't have a rehab background, I suddenly, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing, but because I've been watching them yeah. and because I've been learning from them, not just watching from them, I feel like that's been definitely, that's definitely improved.
1: Great. Yeah. I think, you know, working, you know, that's, it's just getting in with people who really do understand, you know, perhaps a different approach and, and being open to learning from them and, and developing a new network or a new way of, a new way of learning. You know, so rather than sort of narrowing yourself down to one approach or, or one way of working for 30, 40 years is, is the kind of, um, you know, traps, try and get a few more tools in the toolbox and, and, and understand a, a different way. And then try and put these tools together in your own approach of working. Um, because, they, you know, all, all, all osteopaths or most osteopaths when they come out of, um, you know, with, with uh, their qualification, have a good foundation. And you know that foundation is is there to to provide a foundation and then to to then grow upon. So yeah, great. Yeah, really really positive.
0: Yeah, and then coming back to sort of like CVD, like what kind of books are you reading? What kind of stuff is 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 sort of influencing your work at the moment?
1: So I'm reading a lot on on inflammation um, as it happens, and and the gut microbiome and dysbiosis and understanding how. Uh, you know, the, the, the blood brain barrier and the link between, um, you know, dysbiosis in the gut can impact, you know, neurological health and, and psychological health as well. So yes. I've been to a few conferences and, um, you know, it's been incredible. Some of the, the information that's been provided in terms of um, patients that have been, you know, quite severely mentally ill. And they've been, this is all in the U.S. So you know, I don't think this has been been applied over here yet. But in terms of how looking at micronutrient deficiencies and how they they can have a really really significant impact on you know mentally ill uh, patients uh, in terms of you know their behaviour without having to go down you know aggressive aggressive drug routes. Um, so you know obviously this is very very um, you know delicate and intricate you know intervention, but it's it's really really fascinating with with some of the information that's coming out of the US at the minute in terms of you know how how you know these deficiencies in micronutrients and uh, can can impact inflammation and and you know mental health. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. So yeah, I'm reading a lot of books about you know uh, about that and also about my beloved Liverpool football club as well.
0: So. <laughs> I knew you're going to sneak that in there somewhere.
1: But you can you can edit that bit out. Soon, so.
0: <laughs> no, let's keep it in. It's good. It's good. I mean, they didn't win. So we
1: finally, but... won the league after thirty years. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say, did they win or did they not win? I
1: no idea. We did. We did. We won. We won.
0: Well, you know, every underdog, you know, has his day. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So it goes the same.
0: <laughs> so where can people find you on social media or in practice?
1: Yeah. So on Instagram, so it's Um If you can provide a link on my contact, de- uh, contact details, then people can click on the email and, and you know, my phone number as well. Um, website's under construction. It seems an ongoing process, but you know I'm, I'm not a techie, so trying to get this sorted is is proving more of a challenge than I uh, than I expected. But hopefully, before long, well, that will be up and going. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I work from from practices in Central London and Northwest London, and also provide home visits. So um, yeah, happy to happy to help.
0: Yeah, I'll put all your details down in the description box below. But thank you so much for joining me and. For helping educate me and maybe other listeners out there on on different caveats of osteopathy and, and gut inflammation and and the roles of the lymphatic system that you know permeate through your through your practice.
1: No problem. No, it's happy to happy to be on and uh, always happy to chat to you. So always happy. Right.